Uh, Jesus said quite a confronting sentence. He said, be compassionate. Be compassionate because your father is compassionate. Be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. And that is quite confronting, isn't it? Because God describes himself as full of compassion. He describes himself as a God who cares. And if we claim to be a child of God, if we claim to have a relationship with Christ, then our heart should reflect his heart. And if God has a heart that cares, then so should our heart. And if God has a heart that enters into suffering, so should our heart. And so, so giving to the, the bag of hope, winter pill, that is compassion. Seeing the homeless man and choosing to buy him a coffee, that's compassion. Seeing the woman who's sitting outside church sobbing on the bench and making that choice to just to stop and to look her in the eye and say, are you okay? That's compassion. Visiting the sick, helping a colleague who's in distress, uh, knowing that someone in church is in financial need in this cost of living crisis and, and choosing spontaneously to go to Woolies or Coles and buy some extra groceries, that is compassion. Just turning up. When someone you know is in a trial or in a tragedy or in trouble of any kind, just showing up. Not trying to fix them, but sitting and listening and weeping with them and, and sticking with them for the long haul. That's compassion. Sponsoring a compassion child tonight and utterly transforming the future of a, of a little boy or girl, that is compassion. Inviting someone to Alpha because you know that their biggest need is to know Jesus, that's compassion. And so the opportunities for compassion are, are endless. And the question is not... When can I show compassion? The question is, am I a compassionate person? Is my character one of compassion? Do I feel people's pain? Do I ache when they ache? Do I seek to step in and help as I am able? And Isaiah Butterfield says this, compassion means entering the suffering of another in order to lead the way out. So, so compassion is not just seeing a need. It's not just feeling a need. It's actually entering into that need. It is putting yourself out, getting your hands dirty, and doing whatever you can to help that person in need. Now, 7 p.m., please don't tell me that, oh, look, Paul, I'm just not a compassionate person. I don't have the gift of compassion. Because <laughs> compassion is not a gift. It's an expectation. It's not a skill that you have. It's, it should be part of your Christian character. Actually, more than that, it's part of what it means to be human. Because as, as men and women, we have been created in the image of God, and God himself describes his character as full of compassion. Exodus 34 verse 6 is an extraordinary verse. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Isn't that fascinating? The first word on that list, the first 
character trait that God uses to describe himself, the primary attribute of God, you could say, is it's not love or humility or kindness or gentleness or patience. He is all those things. But God, in his wisdom, the first word he uses is the word compassionate. James 5.11, the Lord is full of compassion. The word compassionate is a beautiful word. It, uh, the Hebrew is rakum. It, it literally means a mother's womb. <laughs> and it's this idea that to have compassion is like a mother who has just birthed a child and is, just, is full of feelings for this child. It's like a, a, a motherly, tenderly love when a child is in need or is wanting or is in pain. And you know that feeling. When someone you love is in pain, that, that gut-wrenching, aching desire to help. Remember in 1 Kings 3, there were two women who gave birth to children. And tragically, one of those child died. And he had these two women both claiming to be the mother of the remaining child. And Solomon decided in his wisdom, say, okay, let, let, let's chop this baby in half. You can have half a child each. And one of those women was so full of compassion. She said, no, no, do not harm this child. Do not harm this child. Please, please, you take him, you take him. Because she was the real mother. And when the child that she had born was, was in danger, her heart just ached for him. And that's how God feels about us. God gave birth to us. God calls us his precious children. And when he sees us vulnerable, and precious and needy in his sight, his heart is full of compassion. Uh, compassion is an emotive word. It's, it's sometimes translated deeply moved. Remember when Jesus saw the crowd, we just read it. When Jesus saw the crowd, he says they are harassed and helpless. And he had or felt compassion towards them. And sometimes I should say his heart went out to them. That is way too weak. It's literally his, his guts went out to them. The, the word there is guts or bowels. Jesus had this, this gut-wrenching, deep-seated emotional response to people in need. In the pit of his stomach, he just felt their pain and longed to help. Here's the big idea. God's compassion is care for sufferers and mercy towards sinners. Care for sufferers and, and mercy towards sinners. That is God's compassion because every human being is both a sufferer and a sinner. That, that those two words describe everybody here. We've all suffered, and we're all sinners. And we need God's care, and we need God's mercy. Let's start with his care. God cares for sufferers. Psalm, Psalm 147, verse 3. God heals the brokenhearted, and God binds up their wounds. Isn't that beautiful? The all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God, he cares enough to heal those who are brokenhearted. He, he binds up our wounds, the destitute, those in need. He sees us and he cares. In the book of Exodus, God's people were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They were oppressed. They were objectified. They were abused. They were hungry. And we're told that God saw them. And God heard their cries, and God acted to redeem them. That's it. Seeing, feeling, and acting. That is God's compassion. 
And God brought them out of Egypt and he delivered them from oppression and he, he acted to help them. He provided and provided and provided. And so once you've experienced the compassion of God, you're full of gratitude, aren't you? Let's be real. As the Israelites wandered to the promised land, they, they, they forgot God. They forgot God's compassion. They took their eyes off God and they started to think about all the things that they wanted that they didn't have. And they started to grumble and whinge and complain. Oh, God, we've been better off in Egypt. And, oh, life is so terrible. And, God, you never give me anything. And they were like sport little brats. You ever seen a sport little brat in a shopping center? Those tormented parents who are trying to control this child who's having this tantrum. Or this teenager who's doing his grumpy bit. Or an adult who's just so full of their own woes. And you look at these parents, you're thinking, why do you bother with them? And they bother with them because they birthed them. And they bother with them because they're full of compassion for them. And that's how God feels about us. Isaiah 49, verse 15, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she is born? Though she may forget, God says, I will not forget you. That's a wonderful truth. God, in his compassion, will not forget you. No matter what you're going through, he'll provide, protect, carry, and care. And then he takes on flesh. God steps into our world in the person of Christ. Calvin says, Christ put on our feelings as well as our flesh. What's the heart of Jesus? And the answer is compassion. Now, we often ask, what would Jesus do, WWJD? What would Jesus do? Great question, but a different question is, is, how would Jesus feel? How did Jesus feel when he saw people in need? And the answer is, he's full of compassion. Matthew 9, verse 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he, he had or he felt literally compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Look at that word, saw. Jesus saw the crowds. That, that's where compassion starts, friends. Compassion starts with opening your eyes to see people and to see needs. So, so when Jesus looked at this crowd, he, he wasn't trying to see what clothes they were wearing or what car they were driving or what house they lived in. When, when he saw the crowds, he saw their real needs. He, he saw the sick who needed healing he saw the lonely who needed relationships. He saw the poor who needed money. He saw the hurting who needed healing. He describes them as harassed and helpless. They're, they're two great words. Harassed means troubled, burdened, weighed down by stress, sadness, sorrow, and the storms of life. That describes us, doesn't it? Uh, the word helpless literally means powerless. It's actually the word which means downcast. I've said this before. It comes from the, the cast-down sheep because a cast-down sheep is lying on its back with all four legs pointing in the air. And if a sheep is cast down, it is physically impossible for that sheep to get up again. It needs somebody else to come in and help them. And that's how God describes us. Not calm and comfortable and content and successful and shiny, happy people. He says, no, everyone is harassed, weighed down, burdened, broken. Everyone is helpless. They can't help themselves. 
And when Jesus saw these people, he had compassion. He had this gut-wrenching feeling, this longing to care. He didn't blame people. He didn't get angry. He just loved them. And you see that on the screen, Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. He had compassion to feed the 5,000. He had the compassion to heal the blind man. I love Luke chapter 7 again on the screen. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As Jesus approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Imagine that, that this poor woman has, has buried her husband, and now she's buried her only child. This poor woman has lost everything. Her future, her hope, her security. She's broken. And we're told, next verse, verse 13, the Lord saw her. I love that. The religious people didn't see her. The Pharisees didn't see her. They were tut-tutting that this woman, this wretched woman, ever, ever experienced that where you, where you get these churches or these Christians who are so smug and self-righteous and they, they, they see people in need, but they think, oh, other people can, can look after them. That's not my job. Other Christians can do that. But if our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had the compassion on people, then surely we can. He sees her and then he, verse 13, his heart went out to her. That, that is the, the, the exact compassion word, the, the, the womb word. His heart went out. His guts were moved. He felt gut-punched. His stomach churned. He, he felt this woman's pain. And he did something about it. Friend, our God is full of compassion. He sees every ounce of your pain, your hurt, your heartache, your sadness, your sorrow, your discouragement, your despondency, your distress. I don't know what burdens you're carrying. I don't know what storms you're going to go through. But I do know that the only safe place to run to is the God of compassion. Because people will fail you. And people won't be compassionate towards you, but God always will be. And he never promises to relieve you of all your troubles immediately. Sometimes, inexplicably, God allows you to sit in your pain and sit in your suffering. And sometimes you don't understand why, but he's at work to shape you, to conform you. But please never doubt his compassion. Now here's the confronting bit. What did Jesus say? You are called to be compassionate. Just as our God is compassionate. We are called, we are commanded to enter into the suffering of other people, to feel their pain, to do something to help them. And that is not an optional extra for Christians. On the screen, Colossians chapter 3. We love this verse. I think this is the most common wedding verse. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. We love this bit. God chooses us. We are holy in his sight and we are dearly loved. Praise God for that. But what's the first thing that we are commanded to clothe ourselves with? Compassion. If you claim to be a Christian, clothe yourself with compassion. Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. So, so as people who have experienced the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are compelled, we are called, we are commanded to demonstrate that same compassion to anybody that we meet who's in need. 
And one of Jesus, one of Jesus' most famous parables was the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember that one? It's a cracking story of, a, of a, this, this poor man who is robbed and beaten and left in the gutter to die. But a priest comes by and a Levite comes by. What a stroke of luck. An evangelical pastor and a worship leader comes by. Wow. Everything's going to be okay, isn't it? And these, these two men, the priest and the Levite, they, they see the man in the gutter. Their eyes make contact with him. They see his pain. They see his needs. And Jesus says they chose to walk on by. They chose to do nothing about it. And we don't know why. We're not told the excuses. Maybe they were busy. Maybe they were tired. Maybe they were scared. The point is that there is no excuse. The Samaritan, however, he came to where the man was, and when he saw him, verse 33, he took pity on him. That's the compassion word. He had compassion on him. He went to him. He knelt before him. He bandaged his wounds. He put the man on his own donkey. He paid his own money to care for this man and to heal this man. And Jesus says, you Christians go and do likewise. Go and show compassion. My friends, the needs are everywhere. The cost of living crisis is really impacting people at this church. There are some people who are choosing to skip a meal per day because they can't afford three meals per day anymore. There are people who can't pay their rent or can't pay their mortgage. There are people who have decided not to put on their heating this winter because they can't afford it in our church. And it's not about me compiling a list of all these people so you could just feel sorry for them. It's you opening your eyes and opening your ears and spotting these people in need and choosing to act. Some people are so lonely, but no one's reaching out to them. Some people are going through health scares and marriage struggles and spiritual crises. That's just in this church. What about globally? I've been really impacted recently by what's called OSEC, the Online Sexual Exploitation of Children. And when you hear the horrors of what is happening around the world, and Australia is the third highest content of child pornography, and when you hear that, you can't help but be moved by it and do something about it. We live in this, this almost compassionless world. Most people, even in church, don't seem to care. It's crazy, isn't it? Like a few weeks ago, we had that Titan submarine disaster, and it was tragic because five men lost their lives. That is tragic. But on the very same day, a hundred refugees lost their lives in a boating disaster. And we heard nothing about that. As we see today, thousands of kids are starving to death. As we hear about floods and bushfires, we see lack of clean water and lack of sanity. And we don't hear about it and we don't bother with that. Because it might be a bit too confronting for us. Someone said the the smallest pain in my little finger causes more mental concern than the death of a thousand people. And that is true. When you yourself are in pain, your whole world is about you, me, myself, and I. Church, open your eyes. See the needs. People in this church have not got it all together. We're not calm and comfortable. We are harassed. We're helpless. We're broken. We're burdened. 
So to care means that you see people. And to care means that you, you stop judging other people. Stop looking at somebody in a need and presuming that you know what's been the cause of that need and looking down on them. There's a story of a, a man called Stephen Covey. He was on a New York subway one day and this man and his kids got into a quiet carriage and these kids were so rowdy. Their behavior was appalling and the father just sat there with his eyes closed and did nothing about it. After a little while, Stephen Covey got up and just tapped the man's shoulder and said, excuse me, your kids, they are so rowdy. Please do something about it. And the man opened his eyes and said, oh, oh yeah, I'm so sorry. We've just come from the hospital where my wife, their mother, passed away an hour ago. And I just don't know what I'm going to do anymore. We are so good at presuming that we know what's caused this person's pain. But just sit. Listen. Understand. Don't judge. And please don't be hardened by the needs of other people. I think on the North Shore it's easy to become hardened because the needs are all around. John Stott says that the truth is that there are such things as Christian tears and too few of us ever weep them. Are you moved when you see people hurting? Are you moved when you see people in pain? Story of a newly appointed pastor who was appointed to a parish in a, 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 a suburb where there was massive destitution and massive poverty and the needs were so obvious. And he's standing at his study window one day and he's weeping like Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. He's weeping over this destitution of this parish. And his church warden walks in and says, oh, 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 oh don't, don't worry, you, you soon get used to it. And the pastor says, that's why, I'm, that's why I'm crying. I don't want to get used to it. I want to wake up every day and have my eyes open to the needs of other people in my parish. And you say, but Paul, it's all overwhelming. There's so many opportunities. Where do I start? And the answer to that is start caring for just one person. Start caring for just one person in need. Like the man on his holidays with his wife, and he was utterly exhausted. And he, he just wanted a break, but then this storm hit. And the following morning, he's walking on the beach, and, and all these starfish have been washed up onto the beach, and, and they're left there in the sun, and they're about to die. And then this man spots this one little boy walking on the beach, picking up a starfish and fling it back into the ocean, saving their life. And this cynical man looked at this boy and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? There's no way in the world that you can save all these starfish. And the boy picked up one starfish and flung it back into the ocean and said, I know I can't save them all, but I made a difference in that starfish's life, didn't I? I'm not saying things to change the world. I'm just asking you to just, just find one person that you can make a difference to. As you know, Rachel and I have just fostered little Enzo and this fostering journey has been fascinating. We discovered this stat. It's a stat for foster care in the UK. Not Australia, but the UK. If one family, one family from every church in the UK fostered one child, just one family from one church fostered one child, there would be zero kids in care. It just starts with one. 
see the need, feel the need, don't be overwhelmed by it. And, and please, please remember, you're not God. You are not God. But you can be used by God to show compassion to other people. So compassion is caring for sufferers. And way more briefly, compassion is having mercy towards sinners. Because the word for compassion is, is the same word that we get merciful. It means that God does not treat us as we deserve. God doesn't give us what we expect to get. What we deserve is judgment and condemnation, but he gives us compassion. I hope, I hope your heart is moved by this. The people are wandering through life, lost without a saviour, and that should be gut-wrenching for you. People are choosing to, to ignore Jesus and think they can live life by themselves and do life their way, and that should be gut-wrenching for you. Here's what it's like. Here's what we are like, rather, what we are like as sinners. We, every human being, rebel against God, violate God's commands, disregard his love, pursue false gods, find our security and our worth and our value in things that never satisfy. We doubt God's goodness. We question his sovereignty. We take, 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 and don't give God a look in. We take advantage of his forgiveness because that's God's job, isn't it? We're wicked, we're rebels, we deserve condemnation, yet God is full of compassion. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He's merciful. If you ever want a picture of God's mercy, it's Exodus chapter 33 and 34. Because God has rescued them and God has redeemed them and God has poured his life out for them. And whilst Moses is up the mountain hearing from God and meeting with God, what are God's people doing? They're down the mountain building a golden calf. They think that the, the trinkets of this world will satisfy them and they can find their identity in, in that thing of this world. And so when God sees that, he is rightly angry. Of course he's angry. But he doesn't stay in his anger. He shows compassion. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. On the screen, Psalm 103, it quotes Exodus 34. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. God will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He can't harbor his anger because his anger has been poured out on our Lord Jesus Christ. That's his compassion. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Our sins deserve punishment, but we don't get that. We get forgiveness. That's his compassion. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love towards those who fear him. I love this verse. As far as the east is from the west... Is incomprehensible. You can't see the east from the west. So far as God removes your transgressions from you. So please don't sit here in your sin thinking God could never forgive me because he has forgiven you in the blood of Jesus Christ. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That is our God, a forgiving, merciful, compassionate father. Have you heard that somewhere before? A forgiving, merciful, compassionate father? Because perhaps the most famous parable that Jesus ever told was the parable of what we call the prodigal son, but should be called the compassionate father. And if you know that parable, there's a, a wretch of a boy who goes to his dad and says, Hey, dad, I don't want you. I want your money. Hey, dad, I'm fed up of you. Just give us your cash. I want to go and live my life my way and stuff you, dad. 
And so he goes off and squanders his wealth on wild living with parties and prostitutes. He thinks that all those things, the allure of the world will satisfy, but they never do. And he hits rock bottom and says, oh, I've been stupid because my dad really loved me. I'll go home and just ask for forgiveness. Now, in that story, how does the father react? Does the father say, oh, what a wretch of a child you are, you nasty boy. You wronged me, you embarrassed me. Come on, let me rub your face in the dirt, let me make you squirm and pay for it. Is that what God is like? Luke 15 tells us, while he was a long way off, the father, that is God, the father saw this wretch of a son. He saw him. And he was filled with compassion. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him and kissed him and kissed him as a sign of acceptance and friendship and restoration. He says, let's have a party because his son of mine was lost and has been found. That's how God feels. Of course he hates your sin. But he's merciful towards you. Of course he can't sweep it under the carpet, but he, he deals with it at the cross. And if you ever doubted that God has ever forgiven you, be merciful, then look at the cross of Christ. Because there's nothing that you have done, past, present, or future, that has not been paid for. It's a scandal of God's mercy, God's compassion, that it's open to all, no one's excluded. Maybe you're here tonight and you think that there's no way that God could forgive you. Of course he can. His blood paid for every sin of every human being. His heart's big enough for that. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a believer in Christ, but you, you know that you've wandered so far away from God and you've hurt God and you've forgotten God. He's just saying, come on, come home. My arms are open. I'm ready to hug you. I'm a God of compassion. Or maybe as many evangelicals are, we're just sort of a bit smug and a bit self-righteous and we see these people and think, oh, no, well, don't bother with them. Like the Pharisees, you know, tutting that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. And why would he bother with those type of people? How are the people who are not in church tonight ever going to hear the gospel unless we actually bother to spend time with them? We are called by God to be witnesses to the mercy of God. But not just being witnesses, but to weep with them. And you need, need the two hand in hand. Because if you witness to the mercy of God without weeping with the people... You just come across as this arrogant, shove-it-down-your-throat type of person. But if you weep with a person in their, in their pain and their suffering, but you don't witness to Christ, then you've met their emotional needs or their physical needs, but not their spiritual needs. Let's get this right. Witnessing and weeping, weeping and witnessing. And most often it starts with the weeping first and then the witnessing. It's a fascinating stat how people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. How do you think people come to know Jesus Christ? 5% walk into a church. 7% are led to Christ by a pastor. 3% through a church program. And a whopping 85% come to Christ because of the care and the compassion of a Christian friend or family member. It starts with caring. It starts with weeping. People don't care how much you know until they know that you care for them. But when you care, you get to be the hands and feet of Jesus and, and point to the incredible mercy of God. So please, church, leave here tonight just in your ears saying, my God is full of compassion. 
He cares so much for me. And he's so merciful and so kind. Let's be compassionate. Just as our Father in heaven is compassionate.